1: Forever, dog. Just between us. Hey. Just between
2: us. Hey. Yeah. Hello, I'm Allison Raskin.
1: I'm a writer, mental health advocate, and I apparently have wavy hair. Hi, I'm Gabby Dunn I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and I need a haircut. What do you mean you apparently have wavy hair? What are you talking about? Your hair is wavy. I didn't
2: understand that until pretty recently. What? Like I thought my hair had no shape and that it wasn't anything. And it was just um, a frizzy, poofy mess. And then I got a good haircut
1: and I now understand that I have wavy hair. Honestly, a haircut can be life changing.
2: (laughs) It really was for me. And then I said to my mom, oh, my God, I didn't know I had wavy hair. And she said, oh, really? I did. And then I felt upset. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, why didn't you tell me, mom? I had no idea what my hair was for 30 plus
1: years. I had that problem because I'm from Florida. And so until for 18 years of my life, until I went to college in Boston, I thought I had curly hair. And it turns out I sort of do. But it was just the humidity in Florida. Mm, Yes, it was. And once I got to Boston, it completely (laughs) was a totally different texture. So if you live in Florida and you believe yourself to have curly hair, you might be wrong. And you are entitled to compensation if you call this number. No, at that's not true. That's not true. <laughs> I wanted to give a, a slightly solemn, but not so solemn, because I think it's it's a celebration of a life in a way. Uh, update, which is I I know that I have talked a lot on this show about our elderly neighbor Dita, who my my partner Mal and I have befriended and um, become really close to, and Mal especially became really close to, and how she was sort of ill for the last year. And a couple weeks ago, she passed and um, Mal and I were there and I had never had that as an adult, like where you someone passes away and then you have to stay and wait for the the like more, you know, mortuary people to come. And it's like the whole process that I think sometimes in film and TV, you just or even if your grandparents pass, you just see it like and then suddenly they're at the funeral, you know, and you don't see like all the stuff that happens in between. It was really great that Mal and I were able to be there at the end. And, you know, she didn't have any family. And Mal was sitting with her, which was so wonderful. And also in one of those, not to be like woo-woo, but like her cat showed up, who's like an outside cat. And the cat came and was like standing on the bed and stuff. And then uh, a couple days after, Mal and I flew to New Jersey. So we've mostly been in the cabin and not, and we've been talking about how we we haven't been dealing with being at our house in Los Angeles and seeing her house empty. So we only went over there one other time after she had passed with the house being empty of her bed and her things and, and herself. So they took the hospital bed and it was very eerie and and neither of us liked it very much because she had such a big presence and it felt very strange. And so we have been gone and we haven't, been seeing the house, you know, empty and getting cleared out, I think, by her lawyer. So I imagine when we get back to L.A., we'll deal with the emotions of it more. But we have been dealing with it slowly a little bit with each other over the last couple weeks. And Mal made a really beautiful post on Instagram in memory of Dita, if you want to go check it out. But she was an incredibly interesting and incredibly intelligent, incredibly independent Strange, one of a kind woman who came into our lives and, for Mal at least, became one of Mal's closest friends and was such a weird presence that just was like our friend in this Austrian woman in her 70s, late 70s. And like she chose to go out on her own terms when she was sick. She didn't want the indignity of treatments and I just don't know that I have ever met or will ever meet anyone like her ever again and the world is worse off for her not being here and it and it's interesting now the like you know the, the little vocal ticks or things that Mal and I do now because of her or like the stuff that sort of lingers of like she called the dog Binky and so we'll be like Binky or she would always say bless your pointed head And now we say that to each other. Bless your pointed head. You know, just these little things of like quirks of hers that like now I think live on in how me and Mal talk. So, yeah, I don't know. She's She was a really interesting, strange, like brilliant person. Spoke seven languages, like was just, you know, lived on her own. Never had kids, like difficult, difficult person. Definitely like would be so nice about Mal behind their back to me. Like to Mal's face would be like you're stupid and then to me would be like you don't know what you have. They are the most wonderful, kindest person. <laughs> so yeah, I know some people were commenting saying that they enjoyed hearing about Dita on the podcast, so I just wanted to give an update that she did she did pass away and that she was really, really special and also so good at being mean. So good at being mean. <laughs> So incredibly just right for the jugular. <laughs> so,
2: yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And um, I'm really sorry for both you and Mal.
1: Thanks. I think it's going to hit us once we go home. We kind of like abs- absconded away with our feelings in the night, you know? Mm-hmm. And we've been talking about how once we get back to L.A., we're going to see her house. And suddenly, like, it's because you could just hear the TV blaring all the time. And like, there's just things, you know, mm-hmm. the cats like coming and going and everything. And like, now we're, it's just like going to be quiet. And that's so weird. She used to rat me out. Mal was away and Dita would say, Oh, Gabby had the light on in the house until three in the morning. What were you doing? <laughs> like, would you? <laughs> I could see in your, in her Austrian accent, I could see in your office you were uh, burning the midnight oil. And I'm like, stay out of it. Who's taking her cat? One of the cats went with her caretaker. There's two cats. Her care, one of her caretakers took one of the cats and the comedy of Mal and this caretaker trying to wrangle this cat into a cat carrier was chef's kiss. And then the second cat, the caretaker's been going by while we're gone and feeding him. But he's like feral ish, like you can't really catch him. So like Mal and I are like, Are we gonna be because he comes around to get fed, basically? So Mal and I are like, if we start feeding this cat, then it's our cat. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Totally. Why not? Yeah. Mal is like, but then when we go out of town, we have to get someone to come and feed the cat. And I was like, okay. Then we have to get someone to come and feed the cat that lives outside. Who
2: cares? Is it a pet is it a cat that would let you touch it ever or no?
1: Oh, no. (laughs) But, like, he does come and just sit in our backyard. Like, he'll just sit in the yard or on the porch. So, like, he kind of already hangs out at our house. Yeah. So, I don't know. And his name's Pinky. And then we would have Pinky and Binky. It's meant to be. I know. That's what I think. It's that thing online where they go, this is not my cat, but it's jumped in my car. And then people go, congrats, you have a cat now. Exactly. (laughs) Well,
2: This is just between us, a variety show (laughs) filled
1: with heartfelt advice, ridiculous games and brutal honesty. Yeah, I just wanted to give sorry, I I know we didn't introduce the show at all. But yeah, I just wanted to give an update on Dita. And and anyway, this is what the show is. It's not usually this intense. I mean, I would you know what? It actually is usually this intense. Well, no, I think we share a lot of ourselves on
2: the show. And so for you to have gone through something so big and not to share it, you know, especially about someone you've talked about on this show, I'm, I'm really glad that you did.
1: Did I ever tell you that I I sent her one of my scripts and she came back with handwritten notes and then read them to me as I was typed and made sure over my shoulder that I was typing what she said?
2: <laughs> That's
1: amazing. <laughs> and then on this page here, delete, delete. <laughs> you know you must time it for the commercials. <laughs> no, Tita. Incredible. She worked. She did work in script supervising at um, Warner Brothers. So, but that was in the eighties. But anyway, yeah. I mean, just I have so many stories about her. Anyway, yeah. I'm sure they'll keep coming up, even though she she's passed because she was such a big part of our lives. But anyway, we've got a great episode for everyone today. I'm very excited um, because we have. One of my favorite drag queens of all time, Monet Exchange, on for tough questions. She's going to talk about drag, also just everything in the universe. And also, like, literally, I'm just such a huge fan. I could talk to her for hours and hours about, about anything and everything.
2: And later, we're going to be talking all about vegetarianism. Is that the right? Anyway, I'm a vegetarian again. So we're going to talk about that. <laughs> but first, we have got to answer a listener's question. And you know what that means. Hit it! International question! International question! International question! Boring Bestie, England. London, England. It's fun because Gabby gets to do an accent. And it's also fun because they gave themselves a really fun uh, nickname, (laughs) which we always love and appreciate. Yeah. Okay. So, Boring Bestie says... Hi, Allison and Gabby. I love this show and both of your work. I have a question I've been thinking about sending in for a long time. My best friend has bipolar disorder. I love her so much, but sometimes it's hard to deal with. She can be unpredictable and unreliable. For example, she was meant to come and visit me this weekend. I've been so looking forward to it and prepared food, planned activities, but she can't come at the last minute. It wouldn't be a big deal, but it's happened so many times. Every time I get frustrated with her, I feel guilty because I know she's not being difficult on purpose and I know she's suffering more than I am. I find myself getting increasingly grumpy and uptight when I do see her because I don't know what she's going to be like and sometimes I feel abandoned by her. She lives a big, exciting life and I feel like I'm too boring for her sometimes. I don't know whether I need to take a step back, try and communicate how I feel, but how can I do that sensitively? Any thoughts greatly received? Boring bestie, London, England.
1: Well... For anyone who's new here, I have bipolar disorder. I have bipolar 2, which lends itself to very severe depressions and uh, hypomania, which is manic episodes, but without the sort of hallucinations. And I was almost going to say without the delusions, but there's delusion for me. And the thing is, is that there is a very big difference for me when I am medicated and taking care of myself then when I'm not. And it may seem like my life is very big and exciting. The thing is, it can be, but it can also be hurting me. And the comparison in terms of I'm boring and my friend has this very busy, exciting, chaotic life, I would put that away because I think that one of the things bipolar people are good at is making it seem as though the manic episodes are super fun. Super fun, super great, everything's wonderful, we're having a good time, whatever. When I'm manic, I do feel good, but I also feel there is a part inside of me that is a little bit aware that this is not going to turn out well and largely it doesn't. And so I, there's anxiety. There's a flutter. Like, personally, I shake. I start to shake when I'm manic because there's so much energy and, and some of that energy is anxiety. So I seem like I'm untouchable. I seem like I'm having a great time. Maybe I am being really productive, but I'm also in a little bit of physical pain, and <laughs> which also accompanies the depression, the physical pain, by the way. Both ends have that for me. So I think that saying that these characteristics are inherent with bipolar disorder and you just have to accept them is not true. And let's like take medication off the table. Maybe you don't want to be medicated. But when I am medicated, I will say that it is night and day in terms of my personality. I am completely different. I have a completely different level of ability to communicate, ability to be empathetic, ability to like interact with people, ability to sleep. I mean, everything. And so take a, take away medication, even if you're taking, at times when I'm taking care of myself, when I'm, you know, exercising, let's say for me or eating better or sleeping, like all these things, making a schedule that I can stick to. All these things, I am not unreliable. I am not someone who would, say that I was going to come and then two days before not come. I recognize my behaviors in the behaviors of your friend, but I don't do that anymore because I, you know, I'm taking care of my bipolar disorder. Let's say, get specific, bipolar disorder. I'm taking care of it. So I'm not letting people down. I'm not behaving in a way that might, might seem selfish. And to me, in my opinion, is selfish. I'm judging myself, not your friend. I think there's an element to what you wrote that's like, and that's just what she's like. And I, as a person who does, and I'm choosing to say suffer with, because I, who suffers with this, it, it doesn't have to be like that. And sometimes, honestly, like for me, the best thing that can happen with my bipolar disorder is to be boring. Like when things are boring, that is kind of best case scenario. And so I think like the judgment of boring versus exciting is like totally unnecessary. And then also, you know that she's not being difficult on purpose. You know that she is suffering, but this isn't something that's completely out of the control of the person with bipolar disorder. I I say this all the time. It's an invisible struggle, but I am working against myself all the time. My natural state of being is not what I'm consciously in. Like, I am working so hard 24-7 to not do what my brain wants me to do. And that sucks, and it's hard. And I need a lot of things in place to be able to do that. And I thought, yesterday, Mal's niece was had a whole day where she was crying, and the sister was like, I haven't been able to sleep, I haven't been able to do anything. And I thought, I can't have kids because if I had a kid who was screaming for 24 hours, it would be so like if I didn't get sleep, if I didn't have my routine or whatever, I would go manic immediately. And I know that about myself. And that's hard, right? That's hard a hard truth to come to. And I think there are just some things that you're, you're going to have to do differently than people who don't have bipolar disorder. And so I think that this person is, you're not being insensitive, this person is not taking care of themselves to the to the ability that they could. I think you didn't mention if they're medicated. You didn't mention if they, you know, do anything in particular to mollify the bipolar disorder. But it doesn't sound like it. That's my TED talk.
2: (laughs) No, I mean, I appreciate you saying all that. And I think It's all obviously so true. It's your own experience. And I think, you know, the only thing I will add is that it can be really hard to get the right resources and to find the right medication. And also, you know, if somebody is bipolar one, it can be even more difficult, even if you are trying to get treatment to kind of get the disorder under control.
1: And you're talking yourself out of it. The thing with bipolar disorder, and I've heard this from friends with schizophrenia too, is that there have been times where I have been on the right track and then I've bipolar disordered myself out of, you know, I and then I just cold turkey, stop taking my meds like you're a, you're in a war with your own self constantly. Mm-hmm. So it is hard. I do understand it's not like perfect.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I, I think it's like those two things of like, one, it is so wonderful and kind that you accept that this person is dealing with this disorder and that you understand the impact that it has on their life. And then, two, I think you're also allowed to be able to say when something is bothering you and, you know. Obviously, we're trying not to say that in a moment when they're in depression or when they're in mania, but if you're able to catch them in a time when they're relatively stable to sort of be able to express like, hey, like when you cancel on me last minute, it really, you know. It hurts my feelings. And when they say, well, I'm sorry, it was, you know, it's because of these extenuating circumstances, you're able to say, I totally get that. But I also just wanted to share that it hurts my feelings.
1: Totally, Because I think you could do both, you know? And it's hard because the unpredictability of it, there's times where someone will do that to me and I'll be like, I totally get it. There's times where someone will do that to me and I'll be like, I'm a horrible person and hysterically cry. And there's times somebody will do that to me and I'll be like, fuck you, whatever. Like, I'm fun. Again, like I one time, Mal and I talk about this all the time is that one time I was manic and I told Mal that they deflate my joy. And then I mimed balloons and said, this is you pop, 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 pop. You're popping my joy balloons. It sounds nuts. It sounds nuts. But you like really are serious in the moment. And so like if that person comes back, it's hard to know who you're talking to. Right
2: you know, it's a conversation to almost have with yourself of like, what are you willing to deal with? Like, are you willing to bring this up and potentially have it go badly? Or are you able to create a type of friendship where you just know that this person is unpredictable, but you're willing to maintain the friendship anyway? It's so interesting with relationships where like some of the work is like, actually in conversation with the other person. But then some of the work is just you talking to yourself and figuring out what kind of relationship is okay for you. And sometimes Mm -hmm. the answer will be them continuing the way they are and, and you understand their ups and downs and it is annoying, but it is still worth having them in your life. And sometimes you realize you do need to talk to them. So taking that first step with yourself of what are you okay with? Are you okay with having this difficult conversation with it not going well? Because you recognize that not saying anything is really starting to get to you and that you are building up these resentments. I do really love what you said Gabby about letting go of the boring versus exciting because like you said like mania is mania you know like it is a symptom of a mental health disorder. So even if it mm-hmm. seems exciting and like thrilling the way that they're maybe talking about it or posting on Instagram when they're in a manic episode like it is not a healthy state to be in. Yeah. And so recognizing that.
1: I will say sometimes so productive and in the moment, very fun. I'm not going to (laughs) lie to you. But yeah, and I don't want to make it seem like it's impossible to be friends with someone with bipolar disorder. I don't want to like paint us all as, you know, this sort of brush. Oh, I don't think you are at all. Okay. But it's nice of you to say that you recognize that she's suffering too. I don't know, man. I, I think you can say I really love you like come at it with love like I really love you I miss you I was looking forward to seeing you you know kind of positive positive way of of confronting it totally
2: and I think it's also possible to say I totally understand why this happened and also it hurt my feelings both Mm -hmm. those things can can be true Mm -hmm. so I hope that that helps thank you so much for sharing Gabby if you want to submit your international question, you can send it to justbetweenuspod at gmail.com. That's justbetweenuspod at gmail.com.
1: Up next, we've got an exciting interview with our highly esteemed guest, Monet Exchange. Stay tuned.
2: Turtles All the Way Down is the acclaimed number one bestseller by John Green, author of The Fault in Our Stars and Paper Towns. Turtles All the Way Down is now streaming on Max. NPR named the novel a, quote, sometimes heartbreaking, always illuminating glimpse into how it feels to live with mental illness. Aza Holmes never intended to pursue the disappearance of fugitive billionaire Russell Pickett, but there's a $100,000 reward at stake and her best and most fearless friend, Daisy, is eager to investigate. So together, they navigate the short distance and broad divides that separate them from Pickett's son, Davis. Aza is trying, She's trying to be a good daughter, a good friend, a good student, and maybe even a good detective, while also living with the ever-tightening spiral of her own thoughts. Turtles All the Way Down is a brilliant novel about love, resilience, and the power of lifelong friendship. As someone with OCD, it is so wonderful to see OCD represented in an incredible book. I think it is so important that we talk about mental illness both in our own lives and through narrative. Buy your copy of Turtles All the Way Down in stores today and catch the movie streaming on Max. Hi, everyone. Allison here. It so much. So if you want to take part in Book of the Month and have a brand new book shipped right to your door every single month, go to bookofthemonth.com and get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That's $5 off with code PEDALS. I cannot recommend this enough.
1: Just
2: between Welcome back to Just Between Us. It's time for the juiciest, most scandalous, controversial segment known to all of
1: podcasting. Tough questions. This week on the show, our guest is Monet X Change, who I'm so excited to have. She's an icon. She is a legend. She is the moment. Um, She co-hosts the podcast <laughs> Ebony and Ivory with Lady Bunny and Sibling Rivalry with Bob the Drag Queen. And she is currently competing on RuPaul's Drag Race All-Star 7. As the winner of All Stars 4. And then I just wrote, I love her.
3: <laughs> you know, I think I feel all those things about myself as well. So I'm happy that we share that, Gabby.
1: Yeah, I want to make it clear that Monet didn't write this intro for herself. <laughs> I wrote it. So at uh, first I wanted to ask you, and I was just curious about this. If you're somewhere and a complete stranger doesn't know you and they ask, mm-hmm. what do you do? What do you answer?
3: Girl, this <laughs> happens all the time, especially in Ubers. And I always say, I always say I'm an architect. Do you really? Because I do, because no one really, they don't have followers for that. They're not like, oh, what buildings have you designed? Or oh, like a way to go to school. But once you say you're a drag queen, they're like, oh, and they start asking all these questions. And then well, normally it's like six o'clock in the morning. I'm on my way to the airport. I like just rolled out of bed. I'm like still kind of foggy. And they're talking. I'm like, mm-hmm. so I always say, yeah, I'm an architect. And they're like, um, anyway, and they continue on their phone conversation.
1: What if you're in drag?
3: Oh, I see I still say I'm an architect. And they're like, oh. <laughs> and they that, that ceases <laughs> the line of questions and it makes because I wanna get in an Uber. I do not like to talk. I hate to talk. I like to just I just I love sleeping in cars. And it is and it's not strange, but I can sleep anywhere. I love sleeping on planes. I can sleep in cars. So I half of the time I'm in my Uber, I'm like And you trust that fine.
1: you will get to the destination.
3: Hopefully. <laughs>
1: they're just Driving in circles, charging you seventy
3: bucks. <laughs> well, in New York, that's not too far. Let me tell you something: if you take an Uber in New York City, baby, be about your wits, know the city, because they will try to exactly. get you. They will. They really? will take. Yes, yes. They, yes, they know going on the West Side fucking highway at four thirty is going to take you like three hours to get to your destination. They know if they take Riverside, it will be like half the time, but they're gonna take the West Side highway, so they charge you more.
1: Exactly! Oh, wow, I have too much faith in humanity. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is great because my my next question was going to be, how do you manage doing all these shows where you have to talk so much while on a season that's currently airing? And I guess the answer is talk about Uber.
3: <laughs> well, you know, um, I I went to school for opera performance, and so you know, I am a trained uh, uh, artist with my vocal folds. And I when I first started doing drag, I would you know host a lot, and I would speak on the microphone, and I would be so hoarse because i would like sing on i would like talk on my cord like i was like hey guys like i was like you cannot be like that you have to speak like i would sing i was like hey y'all and then just relax and not like like take my cords and use a fucking cheese grater on them every night and wonder why i was hoarse the next day
1: but what about coming up with topics to talk about that aren't oh. like you just talking about All-Star 7?
3: Oh, you know, because y'all have a podcast. And so you uh, um, so you like to talk as well. I love to talk. I can talk about anything. If you wanted to talk about this little, I have one of these, what do you call them, these? Diffusers? Oh, beautiful. Uh, we could talk about diffusers for an hour. Here's my th- here's my thing about diffusers. First of all, they need to <laughs> make a new mechanism because I hate having to turn the sticks over myself. I always forget. And then when you turn the sticks, you get this like waft of new smell that like assaults your m- nose buds. Uh, they're not buds. I'm going to call them that. They-, they assault your nose buds. And you're like, diffusers are too much work. And, we- and someone needs to develop something to make them really easy or else I'm going to try to get them off the market.
1: Why do you I'd own them, them then? We heard it here first.
3: <laughs> it's not me. My boyfriend. It's my boyfriends. I'm like, first of all, it's called white tea. And listen, we only drink black tea in this house because it is <laughs> Juneteenth month. Um, so I feel I'm, I'm very, I am upset that I have to stare at a white tea label all day.
1: Now, do you guys live together? Because I love the idea of you complaining about a tiny diffuser while you have a wall of shoes behind you.
3: <laughs> we do live together. This is very new, actually. And um, that is very, accurate. Listen, the <laughs> Monet Exchange and Kevin both occupy the space. He knew that coming in and that is what it is. He needs to get with it.
1: But he's like, can I please just have this tiny little thing in the bathroom? And you're like, no, 700 no. pairs of shoes, and that's it.
3: And you know that's even half of them. That's that's about half of my shoes. The other half are in storage. Okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> Again, I am a big footed bitch. Okay, I have I have like a, a size 13 foot, and it's hard to find heels. So anytime I see some heels online, I'm like, I'm gonna buy these. I don't know, if, I don't know if I if I need this shoe, if I need this color, but one day I will. So I just, I'm a shoe hoarder for sure. <laughs>
2: So I am someone who is such a blabbermouth and I can't keep anything to myself. So what is it like for you to like be on this top secret reality show and not be able to say the ending and keep and like, but also be constantly talking publicly?
3: Well, you know, um, this is my third time around on the Drag Race uh, merry-go-round and I'm so used to it by now. Like the, the first time, season 10, it was hard. But also back, well, this is also back when Drag Race put out an episode uh once every Mercury in retrograde. You know what I mean? Now we get mm-hmm. we 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 have more drag races than fucking Starbucks. And so you know there's so much drag race at this point. But back then it was like really secretive and you like, you didn't tell anyone you were going. Mm-hmm. And like the cast was this huge mystery. Now, girl, the whole season is on Reddit before <laughs> they even finish taping. So people come up to you and they'll be like, well, just back in season ten, they'll come and be like, "So, I know you can't like say anything, but I know where you went this summer." I'm like, "Where to Fire Island? What are you? What's your point, bitch?" <laughs> and so, um, so that was a thing that would happen a lot. But nowadays, people, everyone is is on reddit or looking up stuff and they but which half the time the reddit stuff is wrong they just like they'll know like the strangest detail you're like wait do they know stuff then it'll, the next sentence will be something completely different like they don't know anything they're just making things up <laughs> um so yeah that that's some solace and you know and now that i'm in the drag race a lot of my friends you can, I, I can you can talk to the girls who are on the season a lot and we make we have our own little group chats we can talk about girl you remember when this, bu, 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 bu. so that's <laughs> that's a way to talk about it with the group of people who are there but not publicly
1: Do you ever gear up? Like you're like, okay, this is the episode that they're gonna show this, and then they don't show it.
3: Oh my God. (laughs) Um yeah, but you know, again, my third time around, you know, some things are left on the on the cutting room floor. I mean, Mm -hmm. they've expanded the show to an hour and a half, you know, Mm -hmm. before season 10. Or I think season 10 was the first season, it was an hour and a half, but you know, they used to be an hour, so Back then, even more was left. You you filmed so much. There's only so much that can fit in, in an hour and a half. And people like to go online and be like, mm, "I see they cut that out." Yeah, it's an hour and a half. <laughs> they cannot show everything that happens like that. That would be. Who wants to be watching Drag Race for three hours uh, every week? No one. So yeah, I'm me, like, I do. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was gonna say when when you're talking about reality show, but like if you talked about your boyfriend, like when you talk so much on these shows, and we're all me and Allison both have this problem of being blabber Do you ever go, I should not have said that? Or do you ever say things and people in your life like text you like, Monet, what the fuck?
3: Oh my God. Yeah, I do all the time. Um, (laughs) But you know, I think, like y'all know this too. When you have a podcast girl and you put someone that overshares, you're going to overshare. Someone's going to hear something like, I can't believe you said that. One was... Which I put like I put it as a bit in my show. It didn't it didn't really happen like that. But my boyfriend is um a white man, and I say white man because that sounds more pleasing to my ancestors. <laughs> and we're together, and I I have this bit where he you know he he wants to ask me questions about stuff. He's always nervous because you know he's he reads a lot of stuff. He's aware of his white fragility. Like we look like good good white flower white flower, and you know so he he'll come up. He'll like babe. I just want to know you as a I don't know how to say this. Being a African... No, that's not the right word. I just want to say that. <laughs> Being someone of a descendant of a former... No, I can't. You know, he like he, he always had to find like, the right language. He doesn't really say that, y'all. He does not say those things. But, you know, he does ask questions and I'll, like, say something. He's like, babe, you can't say that. People are going to think it's real. I'm like, they know it's not real. I'm a drag queen. I put my <laughs> dick in my butt uh, upwards of four times a week. They know it's not a real thing.
1: Okay, you and I are very similar on Sibling Rivalry where, like, I'll say something that is like so outlandish and like patently untrue. And then I'll just double down on it hard. And I feel like Allison and Bob are very similar where they're just both like, no. And you and I like will not let it go. And like, I feel like uh, people just have to understand that we're lying. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Gabby. Uh
3: it's like you are seeing it to my soul. I'm like, yeah, I know the thing I'm saying is ridiculous, a and crazy. But at this point, I've said it out of my mouth. And now it's, it's my, quote unquote, my truth. And it's you my truth. To, it's my truth. And that's what it is. And, and <laughs> Allison, also,
1: we are out entertainers. So it yeah. doesn't matter if the story is true. It matters if it's entertaining.
3: Exactly. <laughs> Gabby, you know, oh my God. Gabby, I am very obsessed with you Allison I love I, you too as well because here's the, here's the thing though we need Allison's and Bob's to keep us grounded or else we will we'll be flying off to the moon it, 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 we'll, we'll, be, we'll be going off into space so we need Allison's we need Bob's to keep us tethered to our earthly selves
2: yeah, I have such a like a visceral reaction when Gabby lies or exaggerates <laughs> and I've had to like work
1: on that for like years <laughs> like, because it's a better it's it'll be like, OK, that's not how it happened. But it's a more concise and more entertaining version but of what happened. It's not how it
2: happened. So what? <laughs> it's not true. Uh, Who cares? So Why not just say I'm going to tell you a story that I made up today?
1: why yeah Monet why don't we say it like that
3: <laughs> because okay Allison you see as soon as I say that I feel like a little bit of your soul checks out and you're not as invested as Thank if you. I just said the thing that I was going to say Not as you know now I'm giving you now I preface it like this thing didn't happen you're like half of you like okay whatever I don't need to really listen so <laughs> we say it so you get the real I want your genuine reactions as if it were real I like <laughs> I like a little subterfuge in my storytelling
2: I guess. I, it is against the very
1: core of who I am as a human.
3: <laughs>
1: I know. It's so it's so hard to do a show with someone because I know Bob is constantly like, Monet, that's not even real. That's real.
0: Mm-hmm. Like,
1: You want them there, but you're also like, you're ruining this for
3: me. <laughs> 100%. But this is Bob. like, I feel like that's not how it happened. I'm like, that is how it happened. And we're like, Monet when it is categorically false that yeah, <laughs> i'm like i don't care but that is what happened though girl <laughs> my
2: question is do you then start to believe your own lies
3: no 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 i'm not i'm not a crazy person i mean i'm a little bit but you know i mean but you know here's the thing life is already so shitty and so fucked up if i need a little delusion to make my day just a little better And, you know, I think when I, when I go to bed at the end of night, when I go to bed, I know it's not true. But in like the hour or two hours of the podcast, if I can live in that, like, why not?
1: (laughs) This is, we are, I think we're the same person. (laughs) 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 And I agree. Part of being an entertainer is projecting the fantasy.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And here's the thing. They have all these like true crime podcasts the which which did you know that true crime podcasts are, like the most listened to things. People just love listening Huge. to these like real depressing horrible stories. I mean, I'm not a big uh a true crime person, but I will but not on podcasts, but on TikToks, they always wrote me in. They were like <laughs> <laughs> they get me like they they know how to get you in that first fucking sentence that they say and you're like shit and then here this i this guy
1: killed his whole family here's why and you're like why exactly. did he and why did he
3: do it you know what i mean so they know how to get you i'm like but i don't listen to the podcast about it because like when i'm doing my makeup i don't need to hear about how some guy in uh Wowatosa, wisconsin barbecued his cousin and like the, <laughs> to his nephew like i don't like I, uh, my makeup will not come out great. You're
1: like, oh, and this this eyeshadow <laughs> is kind of the color of the barbecue. <laughs> you know what I mean?
3: Just fully sobbing, we've like oh, Jerry do not deserve it. But on TikTok, it's just three minutes max. I can digest that.
1: So we want to be beacons of of like beauty and hope and funny, and yeah. it doesn't need to be true. One
3: hundred percent, Gabby. <laughs> I love it.
1: Alison <laughs> 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 hates it.
3: It, it. it got a little grudgy. Remember the grudge? Yeah, <laughs> I like, What's going on? I
1: hates it. I just
2: think that there are different mediums out there, and there's mediums <laughs> that are people know are scripted and know are creative. And I can't speak to you know your shows as much, but Gabby, we're. Per- Pretending to be ourselves and to talking about (laughs) (laughs) pretending. Pretending. (laughs) The
3: operative word is pretending, there, Allison.
2: I walked into a trap with that one.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and with with Lady Bunny on Everyday Irony is a little different because Bunny is how our podcast started you know bunny lady bunny has this thing that she deal with with girls that she like likes she talks to a lot like when she and i knew bunny from being in new york but we we really got close after drag race because you know mm-hmm. it, B- B- bunny works around with the girls a lot on tours etc and um when bunny likes you she gets your number and then you'll be like on your way i don't know how she knows this she's like this like fucking crazy person she finds out when your flight is whatever and literally like as you're either going through tsa or they just call boarding. You get a, a phone call and it's Lady Bunny. I'm like, why is Lady Bunny calling me? She's like, "Hello." I'm like, hey, "Hey, Bunny, what's up?" She's like, "Hey, girl, you're getting on your flight to Salt Lake City right now." I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. What's what's going on?" Like, <clears throat> "Well, I hope you crash and die, fag." <laughs> and then she like <laughs> hang up the phone. Like she, it's like I'm like it, I don't know how she figures it out, but this is something <laughs> she would do to me regularly. And then I would like to call her back and do bits with her, and then we'll like talk. And then when you get Lady Bunny on the phone. it's like an hour and a half of your day gone. She, the bunny, can talk and talk and talk. And she gets, if you follow her on any social media, anyone, you know, she's very into politics and she'll just ramble about politics for hours, but also infusing her, 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 her very, very, very funny wit into there.
1: Yeah. One of my questions was you guys represent different eras of drag. And I always mm -hmm. find it so interesting that the jokes about her on, on drag race are often that she's so old when I don't know that 60 is that Old or fifty, whatever she is, fifty something. Yeah. So, like, do you think that like these two generations respect each other, or do you think it's just like easy targets?
3: Oh, no, I think these generations definitely respect each other. And I, I I love getting Bunny's perspective because it's just so different than my experience in drag and my experience being a queer person. It's just so different. And, you know, Bunny does sometimes have some very antiquated views about <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, queerosity and um, government and politics, whatever, which is fine. But, it, you know, but I think Bunny does reflect a segment of the older generation that still does think this way and, 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 and that's how they react to what they're seeing. So it is a very interesting, interesting perspective and you see the two clash and you know oftentimes we have older people from the queer multiverse right. like uh linda simpson all these like queer folk from the 60s and 70s who were jane county who mm-hmm. is a wonderful trans rock and roll musician and was doing it back when it was illegal like if if you're yeah. if doing drag you had to wear you had to have at least one article of male clothing on so oftentimes these performers would be fully realized trans Women, right? But they'll have to have on like male underwear. You have to have on male dress socks, so Something, that if you yeah. if, if if you were stopped by police, you can show no, 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 I am. And so it's just so interesting to hear like how they how they coped with this, how they how they how they made their 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 lives living under such honestly feels very totalitarian rule.
1: Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of times from younger queers not enough respect given to Mm -hmm. you know you say like well bunny has some problematic views and it's like yeah a lot of them do a lot of these older queer people do but to me i feel like you have to recognize what they went through yeah and you can't just ignore all of the work that they've done by you know writing them off for a tweet that's i don't know that's my opinion
3: yeah i agree totally
1: we're gonna take a quick break for ads but then we'll be right back with our guest We're back. So I have a question. A friend of mine wanted to know, what are some of your favorite drag bars around the country?
3: Ooh, that's a good question. Okay, let me say this. Before the pandemic, Lovato. Sure. Th- there, You know, there were only 15, one-five lesbian bars in the United States of America. Isn't yep. that crazy?
1: Even less wow. now.
3: Even less now. I think it's like down to like nine or something like that. So mm-hmm. let's open up some more lesbian bars. And first of all, a lot of my... Close friends are lesbians, and I because let me tell you something about gay men. Sometimes I just, <laughs> girl, I'm like Mary. I don't need the drama, and my lesbian friends offer me peace, strength, hope, <laughs> and love that I really, <laughs> I really cling to. But uh, some of my favorite gay bars we have we have to start in my in my in my home place, New York City love Hardware Bar. I used to do my one-woman show there Saturdays before I was ever on Drag Race. And it was this like show where it was just me on stage for two hours. I would be telling jokes, doing dancing, singing. Aww. It was like, it was like crazy. And it reminds me of a time in drag where before the show, I was just working so hard and I would come in full in my full re- regalia, my outfit. And by the time the show was done, I would have sweated all my makeup off my <laughs> wig would be on the floor. I would have one lash on, but the audience would be like screaming like...
1: We want more! Yeah. So, you know, it
3: was just, obviously I'm very grateful for everything that I have now, but I used, to, I still, I reminisce about days because I really, really did love them. So, Hardware Bar is a great one. If you go down to, oh my God, El Paso, Texas. I don't know the name of the bar, but y'all know, if you live in El Paso, you know exactly what fucking bar I'm talking about. The bar in, oh my God, I, I, I'll look it up and I will. Oh,
1: if you're from El Paso, please write in. But I yeah. do find that the smaller, my friend who asked this spent the summer in Cincinnati and was mm-hmm. at a drag bar in Cincinnati and was like, this place rules.
3: Girl. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, the bar in El Paso was the last time I've ever been like blackout drunk. Okay, let me tell you what happened. <laughs> so, if it goes to this bar in El Paso, so my, myself and my assistant Patty, you know, this is back in 2018, early 2019. No, yeah 2018, I just, season 10 had just finished. So I'm like, Bitch, I am living my, like, drag race superstar fantasy. We're traveling city to city every night, different, whatever. So we're in El Paso, Texas. We do this gig. And I used to do this bit where the audience would buy me shots. And if if, if you buy me a shot, you brought it to the stage, I will drink it. But oftentimes, I will, like, do something. I will, like, throw it away or do something fun so I don't get too fucked up. This night, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do each and every one of them. Well, they (laughs) did not disappoint. And by, like, my eighth shot of whatever shitty tequila they were buying me, I was so fucked up i don't remember like anywhere from like half to the show on and I, I do remember being the show was then we're in the dressing room and my assistant patty is like hey girl do you need help and I, I'm, I'm very self-sufficient Patty's more of, of, of an emotional support human being you know what i mean and to help me just stuff like that but at this point he's like do you need help getting back to the hotel with us like we had to like go now because it was at this point it's like two o'clock in the morning our flight was at five o'clock <gasps> so we had to like get going he's like we need to like get going it's like no no i got it like 10 minutes, 15 minutes pass, and I'm still just sitting there in the chair. So he like helps me put all my shit together. We get to the hotel. I get to the lobby of the hotel. He's like, okay, we have to be downstairs in about 45 minutes. Are you good? I was like, Yeah, yeah, girl, I'm good. I stand in the middle of the lobby and I just pee on myself in the middle of the lobby of <laughs> the Hampton and I think we were at. <laughs> Patty helps me go upstairs. He's like, Okay, you have to shower, get out of your clothes, and we have to like. Go. We have like about fifteen minutes. Are you sure? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. He comes back twenty minutes later. I have I have only showered. And I'm just in my towel and I'm just like sitting there. And he is like, so he is like, Monet, we have to go. We have to go. So I'm like, I got, it, I got it. I just stopped putting all my things in my suitcase. We get in the car. We get to the airport with with enough time check in, and we get we get on the plane. Get to our stop in Cincinnati. We're going to or Cleveland maybe for wherever access Bar is. And we get off the plane, and the and the flight attendant goes, Oh my god, I love you so much. Can I get a picture? I'm like, sure, sure. Take a picture of me. And I look at the picture. Bitch, I am in full drag still. I still have a full face of makeup. And I still have my little kitty cat wig on. And I have all my regular clothes. I'm like, Patty, why didn't you tell me? He's like, girl, I tried to tell you. You told me leave you alone. Get to the airport. Open my suitcase. I have, I literally just threw everything in my suitcase. My laptop is just open faced in my computer <gasps> and, and, and my suitcase. Oh I God. was just so fucked up. So, El Paso, Texas, I, when bitch, when I go there, I'm drinking water only. Okay. I'm like, give me, <laughs> give me some, give me some I'm white tea diffuser, honey. That's what I need to cleanse myself.
2: Oh my God. So, I know we only have you for a few more minutes. Would, would you like to play a game show?
3: Yes, please. I want to. Yes, Woo! yes, I do.
2: Yay. Okay, so this game is hypotheticals. You and Gabby are my contestants. I'm going to give you a series of hypothetical situations. You can ask any clarified questions you might have, and then you give me your answer, and then I just decide who the winner is.
3: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Allison, that sounds like you're going to make some something up. Oh.
2: Okay. In hypotheticals, this is a world of wonder and of oh, imagination, okay. but I make okay. that clear
1: at the beginning. <laughs> Allison doesn't know that World of Wonder is a Drag Race reference.
3: <laughs> yeah, it um, is.
1: Yes, uh, this is the segment where Allison makes things up. It's very segmented, it's <laughs> very clear. And then I go back into real life after. <laughs> okay, okay, our apologies.
2: <laughs> so, our first game is America's favorite game show. Would you stay with this cheater? Your partner of seven months is best friends with someone who hates confrontation. Their best friend wants to break up with their partner, but is afraid to initiate the conversation. So instead, they ask your partner to come over and pretend to hook up with them so they can get caught cheating. Your partner (laughs) agrees and ends up having to make out with their best friend until their friend's partner
1: comes home and catches them. (laughs) Would you stay with this cheater who just likes to help? (laughs) How long were they making out before they got caught? Well, they
2: kind of timed it wrong. So 15 minutes. <laughs>
1: Are they an, into each other?
2: Uh, they're just like really good friends.
1: Monet? <laughs> okay.
3: Honestly, here's the thing. <laughs> Depending on how good the dick was, I would be like, girl, I'm staying until I find something a little better. So I'm staying.
1: You're staying with an eye towards the future looking for something else.
3: Yeah, because, you know, it's slim pickings out here, girl. So when you find something that works, <laughs> you got to just make it work regardless yeah. of whatever. And I mean, not unless it's like like something like egregious. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I, I'm i staying.
1: Monet does not find this to be egregious. Yeah, I love that.
3: Clarification. I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Girl, I have seen I've I've seen some things, okay. I have seen, That's true. And I've heard some stories, girl. This is fine. This is this is this is just a little light work.
1: You're right. This is a Saturday. This is an average Saturday. <laughs> Gabby, you would stay? Yeah, I'd stay. How hot is the friend? Sometimes I like to ask follow up questions. These are my these are my follow up questions. How hot is the friend? The friend is very hot. How hot is my partner? Even hotter. And how rich is my partner?
0: <laughs> Your partner
2: actually is in some pretty significant credit card debt. I'm gone. (laughs) What you didn't know was that their best friend ended up paying them for this, and now they're out of their debt as a result.
1: Oh, man. There you go. Well, I screwed up.
2: (laughs) Okay, our next game. Are you a terrible parent? Yes. Well, fair. (laughs) Your child, four, always chews with their mouth open. And in an attempt to get them to stop doing that, you tell them that if they chew with their mouth open, it will attract flies who might fly into their mouth to steal the food. For the rest of your child's life, they don't say anything when they have food in their mouth, which has actually caused a lot of issues and given people the impression they are cold and withholding. Are you a terrible
3: parent? (laughs) Honestly, no. You know when you meet an adult and you be like, you had really shitty parents, but you're a bad person. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'd rather you have severe <laughs> trauma with eating with your mouth open than being that bitch sitting there like, <laughs> so no, That's you're true. a great parent. You have saved your child from annoying uh, who knows how many people from their partner not like jab want to jab a fork in the eye every, every time they eat with them. So no, you're a great parent.
1: I feel like, mm-hmm. do you have a personal trauma around this one?
3: No, but I have dated people who have other things. I'm like, why don't your parents teach you not to do this? And you know what? (laughs) If it came at the cost of them having some drama, that's fine. I don't have to deal with that. But I do have to deal with you sitting here. Like, for example, I've dated dudes that are really bad at wiping the toilet seat. And I'm like, right. were you raised in a barn of, by uh, lemurs? What is your problem? I'm like, your parents not raised you correctly. I'm like, so now I have to deal with that shit. Because you, right. and, and no matter how much you tell them, it's just how they were raised. So it's just so hard to fix it.
1: I guess what we want to say here is parents, teach your kids to wipe the toilet seat down. <laughs>
3: Honestly, please. We're
1: all out here taking the brunt of this.
3: Yeah. And you know, at night, I like to... Especially when it's dark, girl, you know, I don't want to put on the, the lights to go pee. So I like to sit down and enjoy myself when, when I have to do a little midnight pee. And I don't want to, have to sit in urine. Like, no.
1: Treat yourself. Sit while you pee.
3: Yeah, it's great. Oh, I love it. Honestly, I, I'm saying I, I kind of do it all the time. Not only at I night, love that, just, I love it. I love it.
1: What is our final hypothetical, Allison? Oh, I wanted to say that I
2: find it really annoying when people won't talk because they have food in their mouth. And that's why I wrote this.
3: Oh, you- really? Yes. Because
2: I want an answer. I want to be chatting. Chatting is above politeness. And so when um, people go, oh, hold on. And then they take like a m- full minute to chew their food. I actually find that annoying. But wow. I'm in the minority, I guess, was what I learned today.
3: Yeah. I guess it's also how big is your gait when you chew? Some people are modest chewers. and like, some people, there's all my. Allison, there are many factors that may, you know, that contribute to bad and good mouth, open mouth shewers.
1: I have one friend that I love, but she swallows her food as if, like, it's dry. Like, I'm like, do you need more saliva? Like, she's like... (laughs) (laughs) and i'm like i want to be like does that hurt like you know that it shouldn't hurt right
3: yeah girl no Uh, no, not enough saliva
1: maybe some sort of disorder i don't know write in
3: let us know
1: okay our final hypothetical would you
2: forgive this liar you make a friend at a dog park and end up spending a lot of time with them each week One day, you slip while trying to get your huge mastiff under control and scrape your knee. Your new friend says that they live right around the corner and can give you a Band-Aid. You agree and go over to their house. They say that they would give you a tour, but they share the house with three random roommates, so it's best to just stick to the communal space out of respect. You say no problem and get bandaged up. Months later, you get invited to a holiday party at their house. And it becomes apparent that their roommates are actually their parents and younger sibling. (laughs) But they were too embarrassed to tell you that at the time. Would you forgive this liar?
1: I love the idea of calling a younger sibling a roommate. I think that's yeah. so funny. Uh-huh. Just like you're in the eighth grade cafeteria. You see like your fifth grade sister. You're like, oh, my roommate. <laughs> <laughs> like just the, I love when children are put upon. Like I love when they're like, oh, my roommates, you know, like I think that's so funny.
3: No, I, I think that is very funny, too. And, you know, honestly, I love the creativity. I love how they are are, are calling them roommates. Do so I forgive this liar? What's
1: wrong with the parents? Yeah. What do you mean? Like why what's wrong? Why don't they want me to meet them? Or why didn't they want me to know? They were embarrassed about living at home? Yeah, just because yeah. of our capitalist
2: individual society that makes adults feel bad for living at home. Got it. Yeah.
0: Mm.
1: How rich are they? Why
3: would that be Gabby, Gabby is defaulting to coins.
1: <laughs> Every single time I say, how hot are they and how rich how are rich they? How rich
3: are they? I'm going to say, yes, I do forgive this liar.
1: Wow. You know what? Because me and you are exaggerators. And yeah. how dare we throw stones in glass houses?
3: Yes, exactly. 100%. I forgive this liar.
2: I think that's the right choice because I get wh- where they were coming from. But it's nice yeah. that they then eventually felt like they could trust me enough to invite me to their very glitzy family's holiday party. (laughs)
3: Ooh. Because
2: it it was a mansion.
1: Well, that has to be to hold a mastiff.
3: Listen, as long as it's not a Joe (laughs) mansion...
1: As long as it's not a Joe Manchin. Very, very good, very good. good. Joe Manchin's my new drag (laughs) (laughs)
3: name. You can only perform the Dixie Chicks, not the chick, the Dixie Chicks. The The Dixie Dixie Chicks,
1: old school Dixie. I'm gonna do that one song that that guy did about 9-11, that country guy, Al, whatever. Anyway, uh, just that one song about 9-11. Can you imagine? I'm actually really into it. Okay, it's camp. Thank you so much for being our guest, Monet Exchange. Where can people find you and more about you?
3: Yeah, you can find me on Instagram, on Twitter, and on TikTok. Um, Monet Exchange, M O N E T, the letter X, the word change. Also, my two podcasts, Ebony and Arnie, with the iconic Lady Bunny. And I'm Simping Rivalry with Bob the Drag Queen.
2: Amazing. Woo! Thank you so much. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking all about vegetarianism. back just between us it's time for topics X, 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 X,
1: X baby 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 Ooh. Gorgeous. <laughs> hello melissa hi so allison start at the beginning tell us everything why are you vegetarian again please ah oh, let me take you back many many years
2: to eight-year-old allison who said to her parents i'm gonna be a vegetarian even though i don't like vegetables And then my parents said, oh, God, okay." And then I was a vegetarian with a very nutrient lacking diet from 8 to 21 years old. So what triggered that? I just love animals so much. And it felt terrible to eat them because I love them. And did you see something like at school? It's like, I'm going to be a vegetarian Mm. now. I don't remember. I don't remember telling my parents this. I just know this was when I did it, and that it was because of my love of animals. Was it the bunny rabbit
4: that you never remembered existed? Was it a turtle? No, it was a
1: turtle. 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 Teresa. Sorry. Wait. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, when did you guys realize that meat was animals? I don't know. I don't remember my childhood. Oh, I barely remember mine. Except I remember one time my. Oh, man. Now, you know, like you have those memories and then you're like, wait a minute, that's really bad. Yeah. My dad was an alcoholic, so please forgive him. But I was like eating something and then he was like, you know that that's a baby cow, right? And I was like, what? And he was like, yeah, that's what that is. And then I was like horrified. And I think I also like became a vegetarian for a minute. But then I remembered chicken nuggets and I was like, oh, damn, those are good, though. (laughs) So you so you went vegetarian. Yeah. Then around
2: 21. I think because I wasn't getting a lot of protein and I was tired all the time and I was just I wasn't eating like a well-balanced vegetarian diet that the, the pressure of it broke me and I decided to eat meat again. I remember it was like we were standing in a food court at the mall and my dad went, oh, you want to split a turkey sandwich, which was like weird because I'd been a vegetarian for like over 10 years. But I went, OK, <laughs> that's how I broke it. Your dad sensed it. He's like, it's time. It's time. I think that's a true story. But now, of course, my OCD is saying that's too funny to be true. But that's how I remember it. And then I was like, okay, I'm eating meat. So I thought that I would eat all meat. But then I very quickly decided to only eat certain animals uh, with lower intelligence. So I would. So for years and years, I only ate birds and fish. And then what happened was in November of 2021, we went to the zoo Uh, with John and my parents. And then I cried because the animals were so beautiful.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You love animals like more than people. Yeah, I know. It's bad. I love animals
2: so much. But like the animals at the zoo, we don't eat any of those animals. I know, but I was just like animals. How could I eat animals? And so then I decided that I would become a pescatarian And so I got rid of all the birds I'd been eating, like, which was really only turkey and chicken. Mm -hmm. And then we were in New York a couple of weeks ago. And I could tell that John had been learning more about veganism and was like more open to the idea and seemed like. And so I saw my window because you know, he cooks for us. And so it's hard for me to say I'm not going to eat fish anymore because like that's part of what he meant. You know, I saw an opportunity. Right. I said, I would really like to become a vegetarian again. Is that okay? And he said, yeah. And I said, great. And so I (gasps) grabbed onto my opportunity where it didn't cause conflict within the home. And so now I'm a full blown vegetarian again. Baby.
1: Well, what has he been making? What has he been making that could be like, you know, is he like coming up with like spaghetti squash and things like that?
2: Um, he makes this really good like chickpea curry. And then I think we're also yeah. going to try to do some more like, um, fake meat recipes. I had this really good like soy chorizo the other day, um, when he and his friend had like real sausages. And so, you know, it is an adjustment like every, like getting rid of the, of the birds in November was definitely an adjustment because I was so used to eating them. And like, I would, mm-hmm. my, my mind would still gravitate towards it on the menu. And then I thought giving up the fish of it all would be easy, but actually like I like tuna fish a lot and and like I had, so it, it's been like definitely like a sacrifice each step of the way, but I think going from doing it in steps helped me get back to mm-hmm. it instead of if I had like in November, gone full vegetarian instead of pescatarian. But I have to say that I feel really happy about this decision. I have felt so much guilt about eating animals for like the last 10 plus years. And it felt like not aligned with my values. It felt like in constant conflict internally over it. And I hated it a lot. But I also felt like, oh, well, but, you know, I was used to it. And it's hard to give things up and all these things. And so I feel really excited about this step in my life. (laughs)
1: And also, you know, maybe at the time when you were younger, you weren't ready to figure out how uh, to make it fit into a diet that could give you all the energy that you need. Whereas now and there's
4: also a lot more choices now.
2: There's a lot more options. I think I have my palate has expanded to like more vegetables than I used to. John did say that I needed to take a B12 supplement if I was going to go vegetarian. Mm -hmm. So now I'm taking a B12 supplement to like counteract, you know, any loss of that that energy. Yeah. Is he a vegetarian? No, but he has decided to he's really cut back on meat. He's doing it more like not like hard and fast rules, but just more like in the moment. Do I need this? Do I not? And he's ended up having a lot more vegetarian meals and a lot less red meat. So that feels nice that we're sort of like aligned with that. But I'm just, I just like, it feels nice to have like, you know, made a decision around this thing that had caused me discomfort for a really long time. And, but also I'm trying not to hold myself to like, and now I must be a vegetarian until I die or like making it too big a part of my identity, um, because then I end up feeling guilty if I slip up or if I make an exception. Um, Because like, who knows, maybe like six months from now, I'll want to have chicken one night or like, you know, I think that with my OCD Mm -hmm. and everything, when I was a vegetarian last time, it was very much like, and this makes me a good person. And therefore, I can never Mm -hmm. deviate and I can never have chicken stock. And I can't, you know, like also have like If there's chicken stock in a soup, like I'll still whatever, like, you know, if this touches this, like, you know, but I think just allowing myself to be a bit more flexible about it and not being like, and now I am good. And people who eat meat are Mm. bad, (laughs) like that's when Mm I get into like my bad thoughts. So trying to like, you know, do it, you know, to the best of my abilities, but also like allow myself for some flexibility in the future if I end up, you know, kind of changing my mind or having a whim here and there.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is uh, unrelated, but uh, I've been sober for about almost four months. And I see what you're saying about not making it your personality or not talking about it that much because I keep being... But So here's my advice to you. I keep being like, I don't want to say anything about it because what if I have a drink, Mm -hmm. you know? Or what if I'm going to want to have a drink or whatever? But the further along it goes, the more it's like, that's not going to happen. Like, you know, like, I think like... The further along you go with it, the more the less concerned you'll be about slipping up or about being like, oh, I'm, you know, I, I've made this the thing that I've said publicly or whatever, because it just won't even occur to your mind. Your, your, your eyes will go somewhere else in the menu mm-hmm. or it like won't even occur to you to be part of your like, I don't eat pork. That's just from growing up Jewish. I train my eye not to even look at the pork section. So, like, at a certain point, I think for you, Allison, like, it won't, your eye won't even go there.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's definitely happened with getting off of birds since November. Like, like the first right. month or two, I was still <laughs> getting off birds. <laughs>
1: Hopping off the bird train, baby. I'm off the birds. <laughs> I'm off birds. You know,
2: like, now I don't even think about it. But it was, like, an right. adjustment. I have a question. Are you completely sober or is it just off of alcohol? What about weed and stuff? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think of not doing drugs as clean, but I know that that's also a phrase that is contentious in the drug and alcohol community. Yeah, I'm so I have I'm sober from alcohol. Got it. The joke that Mal makes is like, "Oh yeah, 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 we're sober from alcohol." I mean, we we'll still do ketamine. Like that's obviously a a <laughs> joke. It's not. If you sell ketamine, let me don't don't hit me up. Don't. Anyway. Uh, we still, (laughs) you know, I don't know. (laughs) Whatever. Uh, If you have it, smoke them if you got them. Okay. Uh, (laughs) We still have been smoking weed. Smoking weed? I don't really smoke weed. I eat weed. We've been eating weed. Consuming marijuana. Consuming. 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 Yeah. But not even that much. But, you know, it's been a funny thing where I'm, if we're going somewhere, You know, they'll be like, oh, you want us to pick something up? And I'll say, oh, Mal and I don't drink. And then Mal will be like, don't say we don't drink. Say we're not drinking right now. And I was like, why? And Mal was like, because if we say we don't drink, people and I like one day someone sees me with a glass of wine, they'll be like, Mal's off the wagon. Similar to what you're saying. Like if you say I'm a vegetarian and then one day someone snaps you at, you know, with like a, a piece of turkey in your mouth. Did you fall off the wagon or does this mean something, you know? And so Mal said, just don't say we don't drink. Say we're not drinking right now. And I said, nothing is more mysterious than we're not drinking right now. (laughs) That is so mysterious. So I I hear what you're saying, like, with like, you know, you don't want to say, oh, I'm a vegetarian because then people will might keep an eye on it more. You know, that's why I haven't been like we. But I, I think saying we don't drink is like that's very reasonable. Yeah, I think it's me monitoring myself. Why does it
2: even
4: matter? Like,
1: <laughs> I don't know. Mal thinks when you say you don't drink, people don't trust you.
4: But like I rarely drink. I haven't I hadn't had anything to drink in probably over a year. But the other day I was making this like hot chocolate CBD and I was like, you know, whiskey would taste good in here. I put some in there and I, and I wouldn't consider myself like a big drinker, but like, yeah, I don't usually drink.
1: Right. I don't know. Mal's like, people don't trust you when you don't drink, when you won't drink with them. And Mal's like, it makes us seem uncool. And I was like, I think it makes me seem so cool. Because if you say, <laughs> if you say, oh, I don't drink, people are like, that person's been through some shit. Like, if you're like, I'm sober, people are like, what happened? to you? What did Gabby go through? Like, what? Ha- Gabby. You
4: think it's going to be an interesting story yes, that, that people are making up in their heads? I'm just like, what does it matter? Like, maybe, maybe I want to have, I mean, I'm a meat eater. I've done i was a vegetarian for like six months because i said i want to see if i can do it Mm -hmm. and i did it and then i did it and then i had in and out i was sick but then i had in and out (laughs) but it's like what what, like who cares (laughs) like i don't think that we have to make this big announcement what you when you do things they should be for you Mm -hmm. and i don't think it should matter what other people's opinions are
1: i think because it reflects allison's values that it's nice for for her to say that, so that people might find inspiration in it and do what she does, because she's a role model. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 what a label. I really threw what a label. <laughs> people might become vegetarian because you're a vegetarian, and they might think if Alison can do it, then I can do it. So you're like so you're like a role model.
2: I think that I fall into the trap of that. I don't want to be misleading people about who I am. Right. That's like such a mm-hmm. OCD trigger for me about being like misrepresenting myself as better than I am or in some way. And so um, I think that's where my fear around saying I'm vegetarian is Is like, cause what if I don't stick to it forever? Um, but I just have to release myself of that pressure. <laughs> but I don't uh,
4: to go off of that, like if we're talking about like people doing it because you know it might be an inspiration but if it's not if they're being too true to their values then it should come to them naturally you know
1: from themselves if, yeah
4: if you're just doing it because you think this other person is doing it and you you look up to them is that really being
1: true to yourself yeah I know that's why I've made so many people trans <laughs> <laughs> it's a social contagion you guys <laughs>
2: No, but I think something like the vegetarian thing, though, is a little different because it can be like, oh, it would be really hard. But then to hear someone say like, oh, actually, after a month or so, I didn't right. know, miss it or I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. then I think it yeah. can be like, you know, me talking to vegetarians definitely like helped me, you know, like mm-hmm. or vegans help me feel like more comfortable doing it. But yeah, it's got to start from you and it be your values. Yeah. But yes. then seeing other people being able to do it, I think, can sometimes give you like that extra oomph.
1: Right. And I think seeing other people be sober has been helpful to me, too. When people are all of a sudden you'll see on Instagram someone being like, it's my five year sober anniversary that you didn't even know was sober. You'll be like, oh, my God. Wow. (laughs) I'm saying sober. I'm sure. Look, I come from a long line of addicts and I'm sure people are like, if you're doing drugs, you're not sober. And like, I get it. I don't like me either. Write an email. (laughs) Okay. A powerful way to end that segment. Um, (laughs) No, Allison, congratulations. And Allison, Allison is a role model. And I'm sorry if you don't think you are, but you are. I don't think I
2: get to decide if I am or not. I think I decided. I don't think you can declare that of yourself.
1: (laughs) I decided. (laughs) Okay. Am I your role model, Gabby? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) in exchange for being our guest wait what do
2: we rate the episode
1: oh fuck (laughs) fuck I rate it 11 out of 10 exciting versus boring Mm. I'll give
4: it 13 out of 9 pointy heads that's what Dita said bless your pointy head bless your pointy heads I love that
2: and I'll do 37 out of 29 peeing in a hotel lobby
1: Incredible. Ooh, yeah. I kept waiting for her to say that she peed the airplane. I was like, you're yeah. about to tell me that you pissed the airplane. I thought it was
4: going to be the other.
1: The, the pooping on the airplane. Mm.
4: If you're drinking that hard.
1: <laughs> I know. I love her so much, you guys. Yes. <laughs> Thank you to Monet Exchange, Love of my life for being a guest. Just Between Us is a Forever Dog production hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabby Dunn. Produced by Melissa Diamond Motts. Edited by Coco Lorenz. Executive produced by Brett Bohm, Joe Cilio, Alex Ramsey, and Tracy Soren. Brendan Burns composed our killer theme music. To listen to this podcast, add free sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com
2: slash plus. And check out video clips of our podcast on YouTube at youtube.com slash forever dog team or on our channel, youtube.com slash just between us show.
1: Make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forever Dog Team to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news. Also at Allison Raskin, at Gabby Road, at She Is Not Melissa, and Allison's book Overthinking About You and my little scribbed original stimulus rep. Bye!
0: Forever! <coughs> Dog!